0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Boring from Musketeer Report. we got a lot to talk about, about both Xavier and UC, the NCAA tournament, potential coaching changes um that could involve some area coaches and and much much more uh let's start with the freshest real quick xavier uh today playing in the nit as we as we do this and, and end their season a season that uh at one point looked like it was heading for disaster a sub 500 finish and they come within a game and maybe even a, a a tip in or a lay in late or a free throw late to get the 20 wins again and and while i i know fans will look at the nit and and maybe say eh, eh, so what i didn't think the players looked at it that way honestly i thought they played too Two, at least, games that they were engaged in, and you don't see that a lot of times in the NIT. I also saw, I think you saw, especially that championship game, the flaws of Xavier. Not executing when you need to execute. Not getting a stop when you need to get a stop. All the things that caused them, at one point, to be 12-13 and 13 this year.
2: Yeah, and um, the first half of the Toledo game, I was like, okay, what are we going to get? Because they were pretty lackadaisical. Yes. There were some moments where it seemed like they and were Toledo's going Toledo's missing emotions. a bunch of dudes. And it was real ugly. What you'd expect from a NIT, NIT game, I guess. But then from the second half of that game and all through the Texas game, I thought the effort was pretty good. Um, this team still has the issues we've talked about all year. I think if you're a fan, your kind of takeaway overall is they finally bought into playing hard defensively, being just tougher than every team that they're playing against. Like, today they punked Texas. They didn't win the game, but inside, I mean, they punked them yeah I'll
1: be honest I thought if they'd have been a little more patient they could have gotten a layup on almost every trip
2: yeah and really that was pretty much the strategy they did a decent job when they were willing to stick to that um and I didn't think they like shot a ridiculous amount of threes or anything like that part of it's just like uh, teams are going to go zone full we'll team the post and do things which is what Shaka wisely did is start double team in Tyreek Jones and took the ball out of his hands a little bit so um if they had some shooters again Ryan Welles knocks in a couple of those threes that he takes and and loosens things up there may be in a different spot but um I, I think from as from a fan perspective if you were on the fire Travis deal he's not our guy uh, six you know during the six game losing streak you're an idiot but it'd also be equally stupid to say Oh, Travis Steele, one of eight of his last eleven, or whatever it is, and he's definitely the right guy, and he's got this thing moving in the right direction. It's it's an incomplete at this point. He had a team that he had to bring in a bunch of grad transfers and kind of makeshift with. It wasn't a very well put together teams in terms of their skill sets, so. He's got to get some guys in. Next year, we'll see a little bit more. He's had a full year to sort of implement wh- where he thinks the program should be going and a core what core coming thinks back those guys should be doing. Yeah, and those core guys needed to play differently than they did a year ago. And I think that transition was the biggest reason they struggled this year. So. I-
1: I know there were some rumbles in this during the season of Quentin Gooden. Would he, would he stay? Would he go? What what do you think he will do now as we sit here?
2: Oh, I don't see anything happening yeah, with Quentin. The, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think there are some people that were really frustrated, and he clearly wasn't playing up to his own expectations or the fans or the coaches or anyone's at one point to where people started wondering what's going to happen. But realistically, I mean, he's going into a senior year. It's not like he can be a grad transfer because he didn't sit out a year so. It's hard to imagine he would want to transfer City year to play a year.
1: But, yeah, and that's what you talk about, the core coming back. I mean, you have a post guy. You have a, a wing guy that it, that was inconsistent at times in Najee Marshall, but um, at times was really, really good, and at times was the best guy on the floor. Um, you have your backcourt back, court back uh, and you have a recruiting class. So um, you, you have a core with with what should be a decent group coming in. Um, they will probably at least get one grad transfer. What else might they have coming in that you can say, all right, hey, you got a core and you got some dudes coming in?
2: Well, I think when you look at the freshman class, the thing you're really looking to the most is the two guards coming in, Kiki Tandy and Damier Bishop. Both are top 100 type talents. Uh, Both can really shoot the ball. Damir I think has a little longer to go just in terms of his physical stature he needs to get a lot stronger and also neither one of them are like elite field guys I don't think either one of them are like oh they definitely know how to play and will fit right into a college system immediately but Kiki is more of like he's more of a finished product I think he's going to do what he does almost right away because he's very explosive um, very physically mature. Um, whereas Damir, I think, may take a little bit more time to start fitting into an offense, get stronger, and, and get confident in what his game is. But either one of those guys are going to need to provide some shooting Clearly for this team, and then hopefully you find someone who can provide some scoring and shooting as a grad transfer too, because you're going to need someone who can give you starter type minutes. You've only got four legit returners coming back.
1: Yeah, I mean this year in the grad transfers you added, you added a guy. I, th- I thought Zach Hankins was exactly what what I thought he was going yeah. to be. I, thought, I he thought, was,
2: thought he exceeded expectations. I, I did too. I would I, agree. I'll give you that part. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, and because you don't, you never always know about a Division two guy coming down. I even thought though he, he was a player of the year. I thought he would be solid.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know that there was points many points throughout the last half of the season he was their best player or or right up there as their most important player yeah maybe. there there
2: were some definite stretches where he'd go you know 10 minutes where he dominated the game and yeah. they needed him and they didn't win without him in some of those games so I would agree um I think he exceeded expectations I think anytime you bring up a guy making that big of a jump and we're not talking low major, high major we're talking about division two to right. division one you're thinking it's going to take him a lot of time it didn't take him a lot of time he kind of was what he was right away and that's that's exactly what you need out of him. The other two guys just weren't weren't quite the caliber that you. They expected. were bodies. Yeah, they were bodies, and that's what you needed. You needed someone to come in and play. But if you would have landed like a Gino Crandall from Gonzaga, that you are one of the finalists for, he's a guy that probably could have made a little bit of a difference in that backcourt and added some shooting and scoring. Kind of, he reminds me of Kane Broom. Honestly, like you get a guy like that that can add a little pop. I think it makes a difference um, on this team. They just they just and Kaiser Gates. You know, we talked about him before the year. I said all along that I didn't think. Like, Kaiser Gates would have given this team a much high, higher floor. No but doubt. I didn't think he changed their ceiling all that much. As it turns out, he definitely... I mean, without him, the floor got way lower than we probably would have imagined. And if he's there... It, there were a lot of times where they wear one guy one shooter away I think to where he may have made a bigger difference than we even expected when he decided to leave uh,
1: you you were one early in the year that you weren't you didn't think this team had the the makeup and understandably so to make the NCAA tournament um could have could have but you didn't think they did I I thought they did and I was obviously clearly wrong but you do have a quarterback you do have a chance to add in the off season. is the expectation next year fair to say this this
2: should be an NCAA tournament team. I think it's make the tournament. Yeah. That's the expectation. Now, I don't know that they're any better than a bubble team next year and, you know, fighting their way in again. But uh, because the Big East is going to be a lot better next year as a whole. And I think it's it was a war this year because everyone was kind of a bubble team and not very good. And they played that way in the postseason. Next year, I think it's going to be – you might not have elite teams at the top, but you're going to have a few more teams that are probably in that, like, back end of the top 25 to 40-ish instead of 40-ish to 80, 100-ish. And I think it's going to be a much more difficult con- uh, conference to pick up wins, especially on the road. So it, they could be fighting for their lives again next year.
1: All right, let's turn to, to UC, where the first round loss to Iowa, disappointing in a lot of ways. Uh, the, a, the fact that you got a 13-point lead um, and looked really good in doing so. Um, B, the, you know, again, you were the favorite, whether you like it or not. UC was the, was the favorite, a couple of points, two and a half yeah. to three points, depending on that. Um, and it's, the, it's, it's the, the salt in the wound of another early first, first weekend exit. What changes need to be made to, to start avoiding that? And I say that, and I asked, actually was asked that question on a radio show Friday. And I, I, was, I thought it was pretty diplomatic. I, the one thing I did say, I said, the thing that unfortunately, right or wrong, changes the whole narrative is last year's team. Was, supposed, was good enough. Yes, was clearly good enough. Yeah. And when they didn't, it just adds to the... It piles onto the narrative. And that that's what makes the narrative hard to change is when you look at last year, you go, that team, that
0: last team was year's good team enough. was good enough, and the bracket exploded. They That should have been yes. an Elite Eight or a Final Four team.
1: But the problem is it doesn't change the narrative. It piles onto the narrative.
0: I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why it piles on to the narrative. Because... Everything happened that needed to happen.
1: Look, that team last year goes to the elite eight and loses, and this year's team loses the way it did on on Thursday. Hey, it's okay. Yeah, yeah it, this was a pretty good. Instead, it's well, they blew another lead, and you're out yeah. the first first weekend again, and here yeah. we go again. I
0: I definitely get the fan frustration. Like it makes sense that you want to advance, and it's been nine years that Mick has made the tournament, and they've been to the Sweet Sixteen once. I, I think it's it's interesting though in the in the NCAA tournament. I have learned that first round wins don't count because nobody gives him credit for winning five first round games. It's just the second round losses. And and it got that way with Huggins too. I mean, right. It, right? The people do not like when, when people consider winning in March, winning first round games. I,
1: I, I would say this. I think when, when you consider yourself to be, I think this is fair, a top 20 regular program and you see his top even,
0: 20 to 25, 30 yeah, okay.
1: somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I think, the expectation is a Sweet 16 at least Pretty, every handful of years. Yeah, I think that's a fair expectation. I, do, I don't yes? think that's
2: unreasonable. Okay. Yeah. I think for two reasons. One, it the whole point of like the excitement of March Madness and and like loving that as a fan is getting that second weekend. Sure, that, that whole week where you get to gloat and be like, my team's still alive. I would and everyone you, else went out that week. The game
1: I would hate to play if I was a, a fan, when play as a coach, a player, or the fan base is that 12-15 game on Thursday and you lose. You don't even feel like you're part of the tournament anymore. You were yeah. here for just a brief cup
0: of
2: coffee. See you later. Luckily, you see played on friday and thursday exactly exactly and then um the other part of that from the fan perspective is you can control your destiny theoretically like i think a one game tournament is the worst way to decide like who the best team is but i think a lot of people feel and i've always felt this way that you can get to the sweet 16 and kind of control it based on if you have a good enough season to where your resume dictates you're a protected seed and then you're going to be against two teams that you should win against if you got that seeding. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for UC or yeah, year, I mean, but I think that's why people feel like getting the Sweet 16 is something you can kind of control, and then after that, it becomes a big-time Sure, I,
0: I would argue, though, and I, I agree with your point, but I would argue, one, UC got kind of an unfortunate break in their out-of-conference schedule this year because Xavier was down, UCLA was down, Ole Miss... Kind of surged. What they, were. They, were what they, were. they surged, but then they fell back.
1: In the loss to Mississippi State, could have helped.
0: The loss to Mississippi State could have helped Ohio State. I mean, I that I don't know how much you could have helped that because they just they had no idea what they had that day. And Jaron gets it nice. two fouls in the first four minutes. Like,
2: but the only thing about that is, I mean, yeah, it, it hurts them from the standpoint because they did get those wins. But if all those teams are tournament type teams this year. They might not even get into the tournament with their record because they might lose those games, as we saw against Ohio State. Yeah, but
0: I'm saying, but like when you're talking about when you build your schedule.
2: Yeah, you wish their resume would have been better with all those wins, but those those teams end up being that good.
0: Because then you can argue more for a protected seed. Right. And you're not in the situation where they were in, where they probably should have been a six. But a seven was understandable because yeah, I mean they it, were right on that line. Right. Like it, I don't think by and I wasn't here last
2: week, so you didn't get my. I don't think they got screwed out of a yeah, six seed. No, right. Oh, it'd be banana. They got gift wrapped their situation this year. Yeah, considering where they were at. I mean they they got a home game against a team that stunk at the end of the year.
0: And of course, it, you also see what you saw with Iowa quite a bit, where a team has a good three months or whatever, and then hits the end of the season, struggles. I, really struggles sees their seed line plummet. Like Iowa was going to be in the tournament, they weren't at any risk of falling yeah, out of the they tournament. Were a
1: four or five seed at one point. If you they were done top fifteen yeah. for a while,
0: and they played like crap
2: down the stretch. They were actually ranked more weeks than UC was. Yeah, I think that's right. that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I heard in the post game. Yeah. but Mick doesn't pay. The, he doesn't pay <laughs> attention to rankings, so he has no idea. But he
0: was
1: told that when he walked in.
0: But I mean, that's a situation where you get a team that that has a decent amount of talent. I, but I thought, like, you see that, like, they, Tyler Cook was out with foul trouble the entire game. He yep. never made an
2: impact. That's the thing. I'm not sure if I'm willing to listen to the all of a sudden Iowa got hot. Like, UC had them beat. Like, Iowa looked terrible in that game. Well, I, as I we don't...
0: saw today, second half Iowa has has been a thing. Like, Iowa in the first half was not very good. I, the whole thing, I think the game turned on a couple things. One, Nizer Brooks in foul trouble. Yeah. And we have talked about this over and oh, over and Warriors over just again. Yeah. Without Brooks, they had absolutely no answer for Garza. They were in in twenty one minutes, I think twenty one or twenty two minutes that Brooks was on the he floor. He was plus nineteen. Were, yeah, no, he was plus twelve. I thought he, he was. was min- they were minus nineteen when he okay, was off okay, the okay, floor. That's the number. Yeah, minus nineteen with Brooks off the floor. That's right. I, I this that this is something I never thought I would say. That team was nowhere close to the team that we saw without like they were nothing without Nazir Brooks. Who who thought at the beginning of the season at any point we would get to the, the to a time where we would say man without Nazir Brooks on the floor they look really bad. Yeah. And and that's kind of where we got. And we talked about that towards the end of the season when he wasn't on the floor they weren't as good. Um that's a credit to him and the development he made, but ultimately
2: it's also kind of a problem with the lack of big man development.
0: Well, I mean there's two guys that haven't behind him that haven't ever played right they're young they haven't really ever played and big man development is nire Brooks he's in his third year he's oh. now getting a chance he's developed and he's he's going to be the best center in the American next year I think he's developed wonderfully that just haven't had
2: the court time to get the other two guys developed yet. Well, I mean, you, you're allowed to have more than one big man. I guess would be my point. Like, I'm not again. I'm not saying like they, those other guys sure. should be ready, but you can have two big guys. Sure, but or red transfers even sometimes someone would say. All right, so are,
1: so for the the faction that says there has to be some type of change, there, there's the faction that says Mick Cronin. The change has to be get rid of Mick Cronin. We'll go. We'll go. We're, I'm not going there. I'm just you're going to
0: fire a coach with I, 89 wins, I, and, and I'm then I'm
1: just I'm, I'm going to go through the, the whole scenario. Yeah, but. That's not logical. That's not practical. That's not going to happen. Now, you may get your wish granted for you that we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, But there's the faction that would say, hey, you need to recruit a different type player. There's a faction that says you maybe need to change style of play, maybe change some of the things you do. Is that fair?
0: The, The style of player that you recruit has resulted the player of the year in the conference the last two years. Um, guys that were first team in Evans and, and Washington. and I mean, it, the style of player you recruit I don't think is the issue. They've won 89 games in the past two years with the style of player that makes recruits.
1: Two, yeah, two years. Yeah. Three years. Three years yeah.
0: 89 games. Yeah. 30, 31, 29. That, that's pretty good. Like, any way you slice it, that's that's pretty good. So I don't think there's a problem with the type of player you recruit. I think –
1: But is that a formula, though, that, 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 that – wins you game, win 89 games in, in the regular well, season. Let me in, let me ask you,
0: tournament? you realize that, that like the reason that they're at the top of the American is because they recruit at the top of the American. So, Understood. you can say. I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate, I know, but I'm saying you can say, well, go recruit better. Well, it's not I easy know about, in I this don't league, know
1: about the recruit better. I'm, I'm, I'm even looking, the, the whole you mean re- f- find, f- find so a shooter. I mean, go get it, go get just a so pure they had, shooter. They had just the, the best shooter shooting. in the conference this year, he did shoot 45 percent. I'm not banking on Justin Jennifer making making big shots at big times. I'm just not. He played great you,
0: okay, against so Iowa. So you say go get a shooter, and they have the best shooter in the conference. Well, come
2: on, he's not the best shooter in the conference. He's shot the best percentage. He's not prolific enough to be considered the best shooter in the conference. He doesn't shoot enough. No one's no one's afraid of Justin Jennifer. On he, he scored teams. 19 points in was, the final was, game of the he was season.
0: Great awesome. against
2: Iowa. I, I, I can't yeah. take that part away from
1: him. I, I, again, I'm playing a lot of devil's advocate here because I, I they I had two did, of the top get, five
0: shooters in the conference: Jaren Cumberland, Justin Jennifer. Did okay. they not?
2: Okay, well, then it's not a problem. Their offense is too good, and it's never been a problem. And well, I, just yeah, that's that's that that, that, that that you know, that that's the narrative though,
1: right or wrong. That's right. the narrative because that's what that feels doesn't
2: like, narr-
0: that doesn't make the narrative
1: right. Okay, okay. They
0: had Jacob Evans last year, who was a, an elite shooter. Gary Clark shot over forty five percent from three. This was Mick's best shooting team. Iowa shot 36 percent on the season. UC shot 35 percent from three on the season. All I heard was how incredible Iowa was at shooting and how terrible UC was. There were one point difference throughout the entire season. So do you think the problem is they just quit playing
2: offense in big games in the tournament? Or
0: no, I think the problem actually is is probably the matchup
1: zone.
2: It's defense. Well, no, go, yeah, go, go expand on that. That's what that's what I'm trying to get is if,
1: if you're looking, and I think if you're Mick Cronin, I think maybe you start looking. Going right. Look, what what can I what can we do differently to change this? What
0: have we seen from the matchup zone? If if and we've talked about this, but
1: usually it's teams don't have that, that don't have time to prepare for it. When, no, when because
0: did, it's happened the past four years in the tournament. and Those teams haven't that. had time to prepare for it. It has been elite offenses. It might take them a half, but they figure out it, moving the ball against the zone. You can move the ball to the point where you get to a wide open shooter if you move it crisply enough. If, and was a fantastic passing team. They can't beat you off the dribble, but they do move the ball inside out and move the ball side to side and move the defense really well with the pass. Yeah,
1: and Garza is a really good passer out of the post.
0: Nevada did that. UCLA did that. St. Joe's did that. Those are all top 15 offenses. I think you have to look at that matchup zone and say the problem is it is designed to be effective in a conference where there are very few teams... That at any point in given time have more than two or three guys that can beat you off the the shoot the right, shot. shot. So it works great in the AAC because the talent doesn't exist outside of a Houston or a you know a, a UCF every now and then. The talent doesn't exist to make you pay.
1: But there's such a catch twenty two here, right? Because you're you're piling up wins in the AAC with that, which then gets you in the tournament. Then hopefully increases your seed because if you don't get those wins in the AAC, then you risk not making the tournament, right? And you hurt yourself seed wise. So there's a real I agree twenty two there.
0: I agree, but you have to look at if you want to if you're if you're self reflecting, right? And you're looking at what do we have to do down the road to continue to to not only make the tournament, but then when we get to the tournament, be a factor to advance. Don't you at some point have to to look and say? In these four games, we have played top 15, top 20 offenses, and in each of those four games, we got torched. I mean, they've scored in the 70s in all of those games. The offense isn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but did you see the shooting percentages in the second half? Oh, yeah. Iowa shot 65% from the field and 63% from three, scored 48 points in the final 20 minutes. And if you hang your hat... That's on... a defense problem. Right. If you hang
1: your hat on defense, that shouldn't happen,
0: right? Nevada did it last year. Yeah. That's how you come back from a 22-point deficit
1: in 10 minutes. So then the question would be, would he be self-reflective enough to, to think about changing what he does?
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you look at it, that's something you have to look at, right? If you're looking at, what do I have to do better? that's That jumps out as something you have to examine. Is Maybe, maybe you stick with the zone... But throughout the season, you're a little more uh, open to playing more man-to-man right. for, for stretches. We're going to play zone for this much. We're going to switch and play man, give teams different looks, um, You know, try to confuse them, try to do whatever is possible. And that way, when you get to the tournament, you're ready to have – maybe you play the, the matchup zone for the first half and confuse them. And then the second half, you come out and you change it up and do something different. Like I think if you're being introspective, that's something you have to think like – what are the common denominators in our losses? And those are the common denominators in the losses is that that zone has been absolutely lit up by teams that move the ball well and are able to spread the floor with multiple shooters, right? That's that they struggled to beat Xavier for how many years because Xavier moved the ball really well and had shooters and had shooters spreading out the floor.
1: All right. Now for those that, 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 are on the bandwagon of get rid of Mick Cronin. And there's a faction. There's been a faction probably every year since he had that team he took over and had John Williamson play in center, for goodness sakes.
0: Uh, There's (laughs) been a faction ever since the day he left for Louisville.
1: Well, there's that faction, too. That's Um, where the faction started. But maybe that faction gets their wish because he he may make that decision for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. This is something that I've, you know, being at an NCAA tournament site, one of the things about being at NCAA tournament sites is there are a lot of national guys there. Uh, that maybe you don't get to see all that often. Uh, Maybe you end up, you know, out at dinner chatting with some people that give you a better insight on what they're hearing, uh, that's kind of outside of your network, outside of your daily bubble. Um, The the thing that's interesting to me, and I think Rick will concur with this, the list of coaches ready to move up, or the list of of coaches that are going to be looked at for jobs, is very small this year. And we're starting to already see. There's probably going to be a good number of of jobs that are at or above Cincinnati's level.
1: Well, and you know that that, that whole cycle of when one goes, the the trickle down effect.
0: Another happens, one opens. Plus, another one, you, you know, know,
1: Texas A and M opens, and suddenly Virginia Buzz Williams takes that. Tech Virginia takes that Tech's open. right. Alabama's open, and, and and you know who takes that? I mean, right? You know, the UCLA's still open. So um, there's a bunch of trickle down that, that will that will take.
0: So initially, my thought was. Um, LSU yeah, could come open. Yeah, LSU's
1: gonna come open. I don't think that's unless my man does does a Steve Fisher.
0: Well, the 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 interim guy might get hired. But that's
1: what I'm saying unless he does a Steve Fisher,
0: Will Wade is going to be fired.
1: Yes, that LSU is
0: coming open. Yes. Um, with UCLA, like the, for the longest time, my thought was, yeah, I mean, Mick's gonna listen if UCLA calls every coach, pretty much not named Coach Cal and Coach K and Roy Williams, I guess. Are gonna listen when UCLA calls? That like that you're silly not to. It's a top five job. It's one of the most prestigious programs in the history, You know, right there in in the history of college basketball. Sam
1: Gilbert ain't walking through that door, people.
0: You're still the top dog in the West Coast. Okay. You still, dude, that, as bad as they've been, they had a top five recruiting class last year.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Steve Alford had great great players right. too. Yeah,
0: they've got three kids signed now. Two of them are really good. They have not asked out of their letter of intent because they don't care who's the coach. They just want to play at UCLA. If you go in there, even if things blow up, one recruiting cycle, and you're back to where you need to be.
1: I've been a big believer, because Rick and I talked about it, too. I've been a big believer that Mick Cronin's such a Cincinnati guy that he would not leave for anywhere. And I'm probably going to be proven wrong, and I may be proven wrong. I that thought that for a weeks. long time, too. Yeah,
0: I, I'm starting to think it's a, it's a possibility. I'm starting to think that it might happen. I, and it's also 13 years is a long time, man.
1: It, it is at no, one place. It is. It, it's
0: not. It doesn't happen anymore.
1: I just again. I I've, I've always thought that this was like the one guy that
2: would say, "Hey, I'm good here."
1: We
0: but, thought that about Chris Mack too. He's but, gone. No, right.
2: But but eventually, well, then, I I don't think that's true. I th- I mean, we m- fans said that, but I think for five six years we've been saying, if Louisville comes open, that's the dream job. For so. five
0: six years, we said that about Mick too. Yeah, no,
2: right. <laughs> I, well, about what?
0: If Louisville came open, like that's the job oh. he would love to take. He just got in a situation where they couldn't hire anybody that had any association with Patino. The hope was Patino retires, and then you can slide in there with his blessing, and that kind of blew up. Uh, But anyway, take a look and, and ask yourself this. Who's on UCLA's list? realistically
2: the problem is I don't know who they should look to yeah I don't either that's what I'm getting there's no logical answer and the only thing like I don't think Mick makes sense for UCLA but I also think if there's a team that might be enamored with them it might be the guy who's beat their ass a couple times the last few years and embarrassed them while doing so I mean I I really don't see a guy that makes sense like I'm higher on Jamie Dixon than some people but I think there may be I thought Jamie
1: Dixon there would be a home run
2: but I I think there may be some things. But I think I said that a month ago when I thought they were an NCAA tournament team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there may be some other reasons that people don't like right. Jamie Dixon. But right. like don't know like about. maybe Thad Mata. Do you, I, it's, do you it's, hire it's Thad a, Mata? That's a name you have to consider. I think we talked about that. We brought yeah. Him I just up. I just like I just,
0: they're, they're I, gonna try for Tony Bennett. That's not happening.
2: No, and back to
1: Thad. I I just. Man, do you run the risk of two years in, the back goes goes awry, and obviously people are going to use that against him, and maybe that doesn't factor into recruiting at UCLA? I don't know, but I'm
2: sorry I can't do it. I don't think I can either. Man, I, I tell you what, I'd be damn tempted if I'm them because I don't see a coach that makes a lot of sense. Chad already mentioned UCLA recruits itself, so it's not like you're worried about we won't be able to get players. Yeah, his, res- his resume speaks for itself. But like that guy can at least coach; and he can yeah. get you back on stable footing with some talent to where you're at least respectable again. And if in three or four years you need to make a, a new hire, at least you're back in the right spot because you're trending in the wrong direction right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and also one of the things that that makes Mick or could make Mick very attractive to UCLA. He's he's very close to one of the top three or four recruiters on the West Coast, Tony Stubblefield at Oregon. Stubblefield was on his staff, on staff here. Yeah. You, you, all of a sudden, you get Mick Cronin out out there. You get a name, and then you bring in a guy that has had huge success recruiting the West Coast. Uh, a lot of the West Coast AAU programs. All of a sudden, he's the the your recruiting assistant. I, I don't know, man. I I think I think UCLA would be would be very. Intriguing. Uh, I think LSU could be very intriguing if they came calling. I don't see Virginia Tech. I don't see like an Alabama.
1: All right, well, why do you not see Virginia Tech or Alabama?
0: uh Where he would be living, okay. I, I just I can't see Blacksburg or but, Tuscaloosa. But I think both
1: would come calling.
0: I, I think both. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you real? Do you know the story of how Buzz Williams is even Virginia Tech's coach? I do not. So, with Babcock called Mick Cronin.
1: So there, you, oh, well, there you go.
0: And Mick I mean, Cronin said, "I'm not interested." And Whit Babcock said, "Who?" who? And, and Mick Cronin guy? said, "Call Buzz Williams." And Whit Babcock said, "He's not leaving Marquette." And Mick said, "Hang up the phone, call Buzz Williams. He will take the job." And Rick me, Mick mediated, kind of that deal. Like, but he's not going to Blacksburg. Like, he, there's no way he is uprooting everything. Losing custody of Sammy, the, the, the whole nine yards. Right, so why
1: would you go to L.A. then?
0: There's a lot of reasons.
1: Okay, All right, that's fair enough.
0: There's a lot of reasons. I think he would. I, I, he was enamored with UNLV for a reason. I think he likes the West Coast. Yeah, I think, I think
1: UNLV. He was. He was. I think that was almost him saying, "Listen, if you don't want me, you don't want to come into me. I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to make. But I'm going to make this me, really difficult on you. And if worse comes to worse, I'll take the job and I'll live with it.
0: Let me. Let me ask you this. Remember when your 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 daughter, your oldest daughter, was 13? I do. Vaguely? Yeah. What, what, what do you think she would have said if you would have came in one day and said, Hey, honey, you want to go live in a beach house at, on Malibu? Mm-hmm. Yes, daddy. I would like to do that. <laughs> she probably say, go on your own, old man. Have a good day. <laughs> True. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, Just mail the check back home. It's a little bit different situation. And All I, I yeah. think there's some family stuff that has changed over the past couple of years. We'll see. All I, let's I play,
1: think
2: let's play this game then. Let's let's I, play the game. Go ahead. Rick, I, go ahead. I I want to know how much is it Mick pers- Mick pursuing a job? Like how much does he want to get out of Cincinnati, and how much is it other people pursuing him? Because I think that drastically changes which jobs he might be up for. Oh, I
1: think if he was actively pursuing a job, I think he'd actively he, pursue. He'd Virginia be gone. Tech. I yeah. think
0: it's a matter of we talked about. There, there's not there's not much out there right now, and I think there are schools that are going to actively pursue him.
2: That's going to be the interesting case. And I who think comes, he's going to listen. Who comes calling? Because if and then it becomes how much does he want to leave? Because UCLA might pursue him for the reasons we mentioned. I don't know. I don't know exactly what other program, except for the places like a Virginia Tech or like an Alabama, where they're going to need someone. I don't know who else is saying like Mick Cronin's our guy after this year. I don't know. This year, like, put him over the top. as, yeah, that's the guy we need. After the, n- the
0: problem, year. and I and I, I get where you're coming from, but who else
2: is there? Like, I agree, but you might just go after a young up and comer that they're not hiring up-and-comer. Nate Oates,
0: like well, not but not, but, a, I, not but, at not at UCLA but, 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 but or yeah, LSU, like Alabama or Vanderbilt might
1: Liberty, Greensboro, Lipscomb, all had really nice years with probably, but those that those I'm guys just, would be skipping
0: three steps.
1: I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I know. I'm just telling you that like
0: maybe but those places are going to be far more inclined to hire Mick Cronin than they are the head coach at liberty
1: oh yeah I, I no i don't i'm not discounting that part of it absolutely but you're talking about who is going to pursue some of these guys i mean somebody's got to fill these spots
0: yeah, and that's why he is going to be at the top of nearly every list because there's not I
1: mean, Steve, many people Steve, on the list. Steve Prom came out and said, I love Iowa State, I'm going to stay. Now, he's not the first coach that's going to love a place where he's coaching because he's currently coaching they're still in the tournament. Yeah, or, let's see the, Let's you know, see when UCLA calls Steve Prom. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know that they would, but he's going to talk to UCLA. Yeah, I think Alabama's pursuing him now, too. So If LSU is open, I'm sure they'll, they'll, yeah. he'll be on their list.
2: Right, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like if, if UCLA and LSU look elsewhere, which I think is – possible definitely possible yeah. or great laws. it might be like a one of those types of jobs one of those kind of second so, rate power league jobs i think
1: that goes back to kind of your point i don't think and, he leaves for that well that's what that's, that's, that's exactly that's, what i'm trying yeah, to figure that's what I was out like
2: ask. does he want one of those jobs meaning he wants to leave cincinnati all of a sudden which is kind of weird from everything we've heard or is it just is it, i can't is it i can't it only not, he's going to take a god offer godfather offer that he just can't refuse right. from UCLA or LSU which I don't know that they're coming with that. Yeah, and you
1: believe that's the case, though. That, that's, that's I think what, that's that's more
0: likely the case. And and like I said, I was with you until I started talking to a bunch of national people that were like, I'm making the point that you were making, and they're looking at me going, "Who? Like, I know you say you don't think they're going to get to him on the list, but start making the list in your head and tell me how many names it takes to get you to McCronin. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, damn, there's not many." Like,
2: yeah, but I mean, like the Buzz Williams situation just brought up yes it was unique when he was at marquette but there's always someone that's like maybe this isn't the spot for me maybe you know what i mean i mean steve from you just named one guy that might be ahead of him on the list if he goes to ucla well now you've got like maybe just lsu and i don't know that lsu is coming from mccronan you know i mean i, yeah, I don't know that yeah. would be a really interesting juxtaposition all of a sudden to have mccronan running ucla's program <laughs> lsu lsu L- excuse me get LSU. Your letters LSU. Correct. yeah. Get your letters well it's right. ju- it's weird for ucla it's really weird for right. lsu yeah
1: um all right. Before I move on to the tie-in to, to Mick Cronin, uh, I ask you the same question I asked uh, Rick about UC looking ahead to next year. Um, what can fans look forward to? First and foremost, does Jaron Cumberland come back?
0: I think so. I, I, I think the allure and uh, like you're talking, you're talking long term, right? You're talking like life. Yeah. A local kid that goes on to score two thousand points, maybe becomes the second or third leading scorer in school history. Has a chance to be an all-American. Has a chance to get his name up on the wall, like setting yourself legitimately for life.
1: And Mick has talked about trying to play him a little at point guard, slimming him down a little, playing him a, more, him a point guard, him an NBA, yeah, crack at that.
0: I think you know he just doesn't have the size that you want in terms of length and athleticism in the NBA for like a wing. So I, I could see trying to make him a combo guard, trying to say you can play him at the one or the two. Um, I think that fits. I think that's what he's going to probably hear from scouts. So um, I, I just think it makes sense to come back. It, if he. And again, if, if it was a situation like Jake last year where projected top 40, like you go. Because you're going to get a guaranteed sure, right, contract. Right, right, you go. Right. He's not there. Like I don't, He's not in any mock drafts right now. So come back, be a senior, live it up, have a have a great you know experience, go down as a legend in U.C. history, and be set for life—not basketball life—at thirty-five. From thirty-five until you're gone, you're taken care of in the city of Cincinnati because you're basically a made man. I, I think that makes more sense. So maybe he does. I, I at this point in time, I don't see it. I I, I just I think he declares. I think he gets opinions. Uh, I think those opinions are come back and and finish up and work on the things that we want you to work on, and we'll talk next year. So,
1: what what other things can can you see fans look forward to do next year? And I just think what, what what's the expectation for next year?
0: I mean, I think next year expectations will be huge because we saw incredible improvement from three guys that are going to be the thir- second, third, and fourth option on this team: Keith Williams, Trey Scott, and Isaiah Brooks. Like you're looking at four guys now that are you know, one's a star and the other three are proven really good support guys. I think Cincinnati's looking at the best front court in the American conference next year. Brooks is going to be the best center and Trey Scott is more than shown he can, you know, actually he was, I mean, he was all tournament team in Memphis is really good in the NCAA game. Like his game started to take that next step. He was expanding out to three showing he could knock down some threes, hit mid range jumpers. I think you're looking at Especially with what everybody else is losing, you're you're gonna probably be number one in the American Conference next year going into the season. Right
1: now, the twofold thing though is you you lose your two point guards. Yeah, yeah You may move Jaron Cumberland to point guard. That opens up another wing spot. So where do they lay I with think, that scenario?
0: As it stands right now, I think what you would do is you would insert Logan Johnson. Um, he could guard like Jaron's gonna not gonna really guard the opposing team's point guard. I don't think. So you bring in a secondary ball handler. A really athletic, energetic guy, and you put him on the uh, the other team's, you know, best ball handler, distributor, or whatever. Uh, you groom him into that role. You hope he can take a jump similar to like what Keith Williams did this year. Um, and then you've got two really good athletes on the wing. Um, they've got one spot open. I could see. I know people are gonna freak out when they hear this. I could see a grad transfer.
2: Whoa, they don't do that.
0: <laughs> I could see one.
2: <laughs> That's bad for your team. It's bad for chemistry.
0: I, I think in this situation, when you're looking at having three seniors, um, losing what they lost shooting-wise, one, Justin Jennifer, as we talked about, at 45% on the season, but also Kane Broom was horrible to start the year shooting. Over the final 13 games, he was at about 44% from three. So you had two guys that really gave you the shooting that you needed, especially on the back half of the season. Is that Keith Williams? I don't think so. I don't necessarily either. Keith
1: Williams is just a great glue guy. Right. That's what he is. Does
0: Trevor Moore finally get rid of his confidence issues and step into shots with confidence and make them like he does every time he's not in a game?
1: I know that guy. I've seen that guy. I've coached that guy. That guy, just for whatever reason, when the lights come on, it just don't work. I yeah. hope it does. I mean,
0: we've seen Mick take guys and, and eventually get that out of them, but it takes a long time. So where does the shooting come from? I could see a, a grad transfer. I, I could see it maybe being someone that the three of us are familiar with on this podcast if, if it works out properly.
1: I, I think two teams are going to be battling for that guy. <laughs>
2: I think it'll be more than two. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, okay, but yeah. I, if, I mean, th- if you if, ja- if we're talking about James Bolden right. from Holmes West, and West Virginia, if he wants to come back home, which it sounds like he does, then it would seem Xavier and U C are the two top players yeah. for him because both of them are going to be interested. Yes,
0: um, I think there's another guy that could be interesting, and Rick is familiar with him, uh, J V and Cumberland
1: from Detroit yeah, yeah. or Oakland. Rather. Oakland. Uh,
2: what do you is think? He he in the transfer portal. No, oh, oh, but I'm just, just saying. Temporary? No, I'm saying oh, okay. if he
0: does decide to grad transfer, yeah. I could see. How'd that name see,
2: come about then in your head?
0: Because his last name's Cumberland. It's really not <laughs> a hard one plus one equals two to make.
2: I was just curious. could be three because he needs
1: to make threes. So there you go. <laughs> Both one equals three. But, I, I mean,
0: I could see if he decides to grad transfer, I could see that being somebody that they might have some interest in possibly. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know that there's a high school kid that you're going to bring in and, and ask to, to
2: fill that role. Junior college is – almost non-existent anymore. I would just hate to see their chemistry torn apart by a grad transfer. <laughs> it's almost like he says that stuff to take shots at other teams, but doesn't mean any of it.
1: Well, the one thing I would say is I I, I think some te- some people have, I mean, let's face it, Coach K was never going to do the one and done thing, right? Well, and he and finally I also did. Think- and I think eventually you start seeing these grad transfers are pretty good for teams. No, well, he
2: never meant it anyway. He just saw Xavier had three of them, and he wanted to take a shot at Travis Steele, and then he was like, I don't actually mean that. I definitely want a grad transfer if any of them will come here. Like, I mean, that's just typical. Because here's the thing. He's going to say he wouldn't do that because he doesn't want to give away playing time to a younger guy who he committed to and promised playing time. But then he'll also tell you he can't recruit higher-level guys because he doesn't promise them anything. Everyone has to get – nothing's guaranteed that You say they'll have to fight for minutes. I don't think there's anything wrong with changing your philosophy, though. Well, he doesn't have a philosophy on it. He just said it to say it. Like, everything else. No, like, he does like, I mean, he's like, not. Like, I don't watch stats, or I don't know who's ranked. And well, then, that part well, Iowa's me. been ranked. Does he have a stat? Because if he really doesn't pay attention to that stuff, does he have a staffer ready for every time the NCAA tournament come up with the best stats that can make us look like we got screwed with our seeding for after we lose this game? Because he always has some obscure stat that no one else would know. smart man. That's all I know. He's a smart man. <laughs> that or, or he's got a routine down. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Um, and then Samari Curtis, obviously, coming in. But he's not a shooter, right? I mean, he's uh, more, a more of a scorer. More yeah. But,
2: I mean, if Jaron's
0: playing point guard.
1: He can fill that, that he role. He can
0: fill that off yeah. the, you know, combo guard, secondary ball handler, get to the rim, get you some baskets. He's not a bad shooter. He's just not like Yeah, no, no. A, no I, you know,
1: when, you're, when I talk about shooting, you're talking about the knockdown complete yeah, guy. He, right. He's been more of a scorer in his high school career.
0: Yeah. It's uh, big a big time scorer. Mr. Yeah. Basketball. Ohio, the first that. ever. Did you know this? First ever Mr. Basketball to sign with Cincinnati.
1: I would have never guessed that. Yeah, huh. I would have never guessed that. All right, now let's go back to to the Mick Cronin. Let's play the game that Mick Cronin leaves. Um, how quickly do they look at John Brandon and make a phone call? Pretty quickly. I mean, how? Why would you not? I'm not saying you wouldn't. I'm asking how quickly would you?
0: Like that day? Okay. <laughs> I mean, like it, 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 he's local. He his family is all from here. It would be an easy call to make
1: Been uber successful.
0: Yeah, it would be an easy call to make. He's he's a likable dude. He, he's gotten a lot of people on the NKU bandwagon, including a lot of UC fans. It would be interesting because I think there's also a lot of Xavier fans that have grown to like him. Yeah. Uh, in his time at, at NKU. So they'd have a, a dilemma. Um, but I, I think it, that would be that would be an easy call to make.
1: All right. For for for. That segues into NKU. I, I, I'll get back to what they did in, in the Texas Tech game in a minute, Rick. Um, there's also Alabama that, that's open, officially open. And he was an assistant there under Anthony Grant. It was not a successful tenure. It wound up that Anthony Grant got fired before he even could coach in the postseason the year he was fired, which was the NIT. John coached the two games, went one and one, um, and uh, and moved on from there. Should Alabama make a phone call to him, or is he too close to a failed Anthony Grant situation
2: should Alabama make a phone call absolutely I think John would be a good head coach almost regardless of where he ends up now the problem is I don't see Alabama doing it because Alabama fans and boosters are paying attention to football mostly and the ones who care about basketball and are involved in this decision probably aren't going to accept Anthony Grant's right-hand man as the next guy in line now I could be totally wrong maybe I'm sure John, when he's out of place and his family's out of place, people usually tend to end up loving them. So there could be tons of people at Alabama that love him and are waiting for him to come back. I took could be totally off base. My just general thought on it is based on how fan bases and boosters and people like that react, they're probably not going to Anthony Grant's right-hand man. And I also think Vanderbilt in the same mold isn't going to look and say – you know, let's we just, go get the
0: best coach on the horizon. We just
2: tried the best ho- coach on the horizon who had a better resume than John Brandon, a more accomplished resume at that point than John Brandon when we hired him. And he totally flamed out in a couple of years. I don't think they're going to look to John Brandon either now. I, I think he'd be a good hire for both those schools, so I wouldn't rule it out by any stretch of the imagination. But my guess is he's going to get some opportunities this offseason. It won't necessarily be those two that everyone seems to be obsessed with. Yeah, right I now. think
1: I think Bryce Drew ruined that part for him. I just think the whole Alabama one is if you look at how the career paths have gone for both Anthony Grant and and John Brandon since then, uh, it it's, it would tell me that look, John Brandon finally got a chance to be a head coach, and damn, he hit knocked it out of the ballpark. Anthony Grant got a job at another pretty good program and really hasn't done a whole lot. In his time and Dayton's
0: still considerably higher level than the Horizon. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yes, yeah. They they even though the A
0: ten's been down, like he's still competing at quite a two steps higher than the Horizon League. Look, your
2: logic is my logic. I would hire him in a heartbeat. Absolutely, I don't think, and I know you would too. I I don't think it should preclude him from getting the job. I'm just trying to process what I imagine Alabama people are. Understood, understood. I could be totally wrong. He could be named the coach tomorrow for all I know. I mean. For all I, he might be there right now finalizing a contract. I just I don't expect that to be the case. Right. Let's
1: get back to the, the season wrap-up for NKU. Um, unfortunately for Drew McDonald, did, went out with, uh, w- with a bit of a whimper, and, and that's a shame because he was so good, so important to the program, so important to the success. It, it just, it, it, And the funny part was, you, know, you go back to the Kentucky game two years ago, he was so good in that game, so I don't think the stage was too big for him or the opponent was too big. I think you also saw with what Texas Tech did to Buffalo, and especially with what they did to a really good offense in Buffalo, that's
2: just a defensive buzzsaw. One hundred percent. That was a game where you knew Drew was going to have to hit some threes yes. to, to really kind of get going and give the offense a chance because we almost hit
1: the big three at the buzzer that would have meant something to some people.
2: Yeah, yeah, that one would have paid well. Um but they got the first half line. I told you to go with the first ah, you half did. eight. You I it. went hard on that, yes, didn't did. bet the game line, so I was good to go. But with Drew, I mean, again, he's struggled throughout the years against the high major opponents that have the more more length, more athleticism, quicker off the floor type guys. We've seen those teams give him trouble. He has to hit threes against them, and he just wasn't able to do it in this game. It reminded me kind of the UC game for him, to be honest. It looked pretty similar there. Um, And NKU wasn't going to have much of a chance if he didn't get hot. But, I mean, Tyler Sharp kept him in the game. He played excellent. Um, And, really, most of the guys played pretty well, I thought. They didn't all shoot it well, but, I mean, Trayvon Faulkner was – I thought his defensive effort, even though Jarrett Culver still put up a ridiculous he's really line, good. I thought, Culver's a beast. I thought Trayvon Faulkner was fantastic against him most of the time that he was in there. And then uh, Jalen Tate did a good job for the moments that he was on him. I, I thought they did what they could do. The game plan was the right game plan. They gave themselves a chance in the first 20 minutes, hung around for the second half, and just couldn't get it done. No,
1: look at the three-point line. You needed to make some of those that you missed. Yep, uh, it, No more simple than that, really. Because yeah, uh, they got some stops.
2: Yeah, we said before the game, you weren't going to win that game without something ridiculous happening. Jarrett Culver getting an early foul trouble or turning an ankle. NKU just shooting the absolute lights out from three. It wasn't going to happen without kind of a miracle. They did everything they could have done in terms of what they could control. They didn't get the miracle. All right, so this this leads to my last NKU question. Um, There is a core coming
1: back there, too. Is this a year, though, that John Brandon needs to try to strike for another job or is there enough back in the pipeline that he's got a chance to continue building that resume to the point where it, it's not going to hurt because eventually you get to that point if you stay another year or two and suddenly you you maybe finish third in the league and you only get to the semifinals of the Horizon League and you follow it up with a similar people forget about you very quickly I, I'm not here to tell you it's going to happen no you're right
2: you're absolutely right
1: so so it's a two-fold thing A is there enough in the pipeline to make another NCAA tournament run and win in a one-bid league and, and B though is it also a time for John Brandon to strike while the iron's hot
2: it, that's a tough call. Um, if I think last year when you didn't win you didn't win the Horizon League tournament, so you didn't make the NCAA tournament, you lost in the first round of the NIT to Louisville. You there were jobs offered. Uh, we talked about the Middle Tennessee right. State job that he turned down, but it was easy for him to bet on himself and come back going, "I've got my best team I'm ever going to have. I've got the Player of the Year in the conference, the best
0: player in school history."
2: Yeah, you can bet on yourself really easily in that situation. Now you lose, Drew. Here's the thing: if I'm an NKU fan, I'm stoked about what's going what the future of this program especially if you know john's still there um i'm sure he is too i think he knows he is the best roster coming back in the horizon league even without drew mcdonald and i know some fans might not believe that i think to be honest with you as awesome as drew was and you would never take him out of the lineup because he's so damn good i mean literally the best player ever in school history he doesn't fit the way they play or what they want to do all that well I think in some ways they'll fit better. The piece will fit better next year when you have like Chris Vogt and Adrian Nelson rim running and blocking shots and getting up and down and playing a little faster, defensively moving better, giving you more length. I don't think they're going to be bad next year at all. In fact, I think they will be the favorites to win the conference. They might get voted second again because conference media member and coaches are in right. love with Wright state every year, but they're going to be right there. Is so, the womp back. Well, that could be an interesting story as well. Uh, I think he could graduate transfer if he would like. I think he might be considering that option. Is he already in the portal? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I put it, so to put it this way, I don't think he has to take a job, and I think he knows that in his mind. He's got a good situation. He's going to be – I mean, his recruiting class is really good. His young players are really good. He's going to be the best team, two or th- one, two, or three in this conference for the next two to three years without question, I think. So – Is that good enough to keep you where you want to be in terms of your job prospects? Or do you feel like, no, this is really it? And I guess a lot of that depends on what job can he get this year? You know, I mean, we've talked about there doesn't seem to be a lot of coaches available. Maybe this is going to be the best job he can get from NKU, and this is the time he has to take it because of that.
0: And it might not be one that's open now. It might be one that comes open.
2: In the next three weeks.
0: As a result of filling one of the ones that are open now, something else comes open and... You know, all of a sudden, you're looking at one and a half million dollars a year instead of three hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's a uh, life changing amount of money to to say yes or no to. Yeah, so. no, no, no question. It's interesting.
1: All right, on to Kentucky, where they won two games without P.J. Washington. The first game was expected. The second game, um, if, if Fletcher McGee makes a shot, because he's never made a three-pointer, I don't think. Has he made any three-pointers in his career? It's like five? Yeah, not five. As it, as it five, five yeah. 500. If Fletcher 500. McGee makes, a, makes a, couple, a couple of threes, Kentucky might not be playing. Um, so moving forward. If this PJ Washington thing lingers, and there's no reason to think it's not gonna, it's gonna linger. When you're in a hard cast, he's in a hard cast. Like he's not in a
0: walking boot. When they moved to the hard
2: cast, the red the red flags had to go up. Yeah. When when you're on the scooter where you can't put any weight on the leg, you did call that though. Before the game, they're like totally precautionary. You're like, last time we heard that, it was AJ Green who didn't play for three weeks. Yeah, I I, was so you did call that. The
1: fact Cal on on whatever that day was Thursday said, yeah, I think he's gonna play, and then he winds up in a hard cast. It's like, come on, dude, what what purpose did that serve?
2: I mean, honestly, you, you had to keep Abilene. I mean, Christian. you're messing with Abilene Christian. to yeah, yeah, keep exactly. Abilene Christian off.
1: I know. Hey, golly, I, I hope it. I hope it helped. Um, but moving forward, um, I, I, I don't want to phrase the question: Can they? Are they good enough without him moving forward from the round of sixteen? I mean, I don't even want to get to the five. If you're in the final four. I don't think you. I don't. You somehow snaked your way there. I don't even know if you're good enough there to do it. Um, but. I, I don't think. I think he's just such I think a big could, key to what they do. Well, I think he's one of the five best players in the country. So, yeah,
0: losing one of the five best players in the country is detrimental to your opportunity to advance far in the tournament. I mean, they
1: looked lost at times yeah. on Saturday offense. Now,
0: I think you did get a weekend without him, or, so you you kind of have at least had a little bit of time to adjust and and figure some things out. Like in live action, I think they could advance past the Sweet Sixteen. If they're playing North Carolina in the 8-8... You late have no eight,
1: chance with firepower,
0: nah, in my you, opinion. Without P.J. Washington, I don't think you and, can keep unless,
1: up. The only thing is, unless Tyler Hero goes crazy making shots, the question for him is his consistency, because he can go stretches of not making shots and stretches of making shots. There's a consistency thing there, but I... Uh, The thing with P.J. Washington is you know the consistency factors there game in and game out. He's just a weapon.
2: Yeah. We're to the point of the year where anything can happen in a one game scenario and Kentucky doesn't shoot it well enough consistently to be like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to win that Sweet 16 matchup. But they will be favored in that Sweet 16 matchup. And then when they play North Carolina, if P.J. Washington is not there, they're definitely going to be the underdog going in. And, you know, can they pull off a win without him? Maybe, but it's going to be an uphill battle. So I think we all agree on how that's playing out for him if they don't get him back. And if he's limited, you're in the same boat. I mean, it's going to be really tough to beat North Carolina without him being 100%. All
1: right, uh, as we're recording this podcast, there's still a couple more games being played, and one of those Virginia's up up big enough to probably call them as a winner. This, for the most part, as we get to the Sweet 16, is going to be a fairly chalky um, Sweet 16. And it's funny because before the tournament started, last year always felt like, a lot of things could happen this year. It never really did feel like that, or am I wrong? I mean, when I when I started to do this out, I I, I love to make cases. Uh, honestly, the one place where I thought there could be a team that would advance a round or two was Oregon's line. That that's the one where I thought right, that that little pod right there. There's nobody that does, and I liked Buffalo, but look, Texas Tech getting there doesn't shock me one iota. It it has played out to where it is a lot of the power conferences doing the power things.
2: Yeah, I thought the South and the West were the conference or the. Regions that right. had the chance to really see some shakeup, but we didn't really get any we all, of that in
1: different veins. Talked.
0: About we saw it. what we saw. One little pod in the South, the Oregon and UC yeah, Irvine. That's the one. Yeah, and that's, that's the one that looked like
2: it was going
1: to be the
0: one. Yeah, that's really. And, and we we talked. I I talked. I went on with you last week, but I talked about the South because it was a lot of slowdown. Similar you know, more tight teams. more similar grinded out tight teams, and those are the ones that seem to be prone to to being knocked off. Because they play lower scoring close games, but we still we I mean we haven't really seen it outside of Kansas State without their best player and Wisconsin we knew was vulnerable from the start. Um, it's been shoot it. It's been very chalky. Yeah,
2: yeah. I thought I mean the best game of the tournament so far has been the Duke UCF no game. Question. Shockingly, and I mean I think that was just a perfect matchup situation and this Duke team. We knew their weakness was shooting. We knew zone was going to give them a problem, and UCF did what they do. They 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 stood
0: the seven foot seven guy at the rim and said, "Come get him."
2: Yeah, they did just enough to stay in that game, and I mean, they should have won. They had a legit chance to pull that off. It was it was a fun game.
1: It was a great game. I mean, especially as it got down to the finish where the the lob that unfortunately Dawkins had such a great game and he decides to try to dunk it and kind of he misses a it.
0: dunk with a minute left and then misses the the, the layup end. yeah the, the, the tip in is the
1: one I can't fault him for that was just a great athletic move and he just missed thirty two tip, points tip and
0: it's going to be the two shots that, yeah, that he didn't.
1: no I, I thought the play to me was Zion to his credit when it looked like they were screwing around they were going to end up jacking up a bad just, three give me the ball decided I'm, I'm going right at this cat and I'm going through this cat and you know what. Did a great job to get into his body, make an acrobatic finish, and get to the and one uh, and foul him out in the process. I mean, it was the perfect storm. It did everything. It got a chance to get to the line to tie it. They missed it, obviously. Taco's not in to get the rebound, so they get the stick back. Uh, that 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 to me was he didn't posterizing like we were all waiting for he but tried was, a couple times that, yeah i know but that was still the play it almost yeah. was like dude i know you're there i'm coming and it's me against you let's see who wins this battle and he won it
2: yeah the, his ability to just move bodies without actually like wrecking over you as a charge that's going to be charged called by the officials like his body control but also his ability to just move you no, I, it was a sheer that, like girth that was, and strength. that is so off the charts
1: picture perfect of telling a kid get into a big man's chest so you can create some space, and yet he's strong enough to create the space without. You're right, without fouling, but move him enough to where you've got enough room. Because usually you're doing that with a guy that's two inches bigger than you or three inches bigger. Not a than foot. You. Not a foot, and yeah. he still
2: made the play. And and, and not the, like centers that he's just like. How many times do we see him where it's it's a crucial bucket? He drives, throws it up, misses like a short runner, a short jumper, or layup attempt type thing, and then. On the second jump that he springs right back up, he just moves the guy yes, three he did that. feet, grabs the rebound, and tips it back in. Like, he,
0: he did that on a pass earlier in the game, remember? Unstoppable. They threw a pass way too high in the first half. And he jumped out of the gym, grabbed the pass. Came down with it, and in one fluid motion, in a half a second, he was back up dunking the ball again.
2: Also, I'm not sure if you saw early in the game where him and one of the guards were kind of running on a path, and they just oh, yeah, yeah. bumped it and sent him oh over top of the scores table, <laughs> no, the,
1: six feet away. The, the funny part was, somebody could say that kid was acting. He wasn't. It no, no. was like a it delayed reaction. Real. Holy cow, I can't stop myself from falling over the scores table here.
0: That that brings me, I, wanna, I, wanna, I do want to go back and say something about Iowa. I, I was aggravated at some of the calls that were being made uh, that throughout the game. That is a stunner. But then I, as, I, as I watched Iowa during the game and their game today, they're really good at it. Like that's – they go to the free throw line as much as anybody yeah, they in the did, country. They do, they do. So you start watching the intricacies of it, and they are really good on any time there is a little bit of contact, they make it look like a lot of contact. And it's – it's kudos to them because they are really good at selling
1: contacts. Speaking of what, that, that, that game today, that Iowa-Tennessee game, was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen Awful. in my life.
2: How do you guys feel about the middle the pack in the Big Ten? What's that? How do you guys feel about the middle pack of the Big Ten? I'm still not a big fan of it. Okay, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I like the middle of the
0: pack. I just didn't like the bottom of the pack that only won four conference games. There
1: wasn't much of a bottom of the pack.
0: There were some teams that there were on cup, the bubble man. that didn't win a whole lot. There
1: was a couple.
0: Iowa a at least won ten Big Ten games. They did. They um,
2: did. How many but, did Indiana win? Six,
0: seven?
2: Seven. Yeah, okay. maybe eight. Uh, they won their last
0: two, which maybe I thought. It wasn't, wasn't much. Um, they might have got to. It was six when I was making the argument. They were six and 12. Uh, they might have won the last two to get to eight and 12, yeah. which is still pretty bad. But that's a uh, that's a uh, a pretty crafty Iowa team that knew how to get to the free throw line. And they used it in the, in, in the Tennessee game was to it- get.
1: Were they crafty enough to take a guy who's setting a screen at midcourt like the guy for Tennessee was and take two hands and just shove him <laughs> shove out of the way? And sh- the referee looked right at it and decided, eh, yeah. Didn't you know, wait, see it. Wait, you know, didn't see it. Wait till the guy comes and sets the screen. Then we'll call a double foul. Damnest thing I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> the, 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 the first couple of days of the tournament weren't great. The weekend was fun because there were some buzzer beaters. The overtime game with Tennessee. Um, LSU winning at the buzzer against Maryland. obviously. Both of those games, games. LSU
0: and Tennessee getting up yeah. big. But I'm
1: telling giving you. Giving up
0: huge leads and then scrambling. The,
1: the, the, the next round, talk about some great matchups. Well, Duke, that's what
0: happened happens when you get a chalky... Yeah,
1: Duke-Virginia Tech. I mean, look, here's the East. Duke-Virginia Tech. LSU-Michigan State. In the West, Gonzaga and Florida State with all that. The more I watch Size. Florida State... Man, they got some dudes. Yeah. I don't trust him as a coach. The one dude's what, Mutombo's nephew? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that? Yeah. They got seven Who wants threes. to Matumbo. Shake your finger at him. You got Michigan-Texas Tech, which could get to the first team to 45.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a, an offensive be struggle.
1: A um, Virginia, it looks like, is going to go on to win. I mean, they're up big enough to, to, to almost call it, So they and they're going to get an easy matchup, so that's not a great one. But the bottom part of that, um, Tennessee-Purdue could be a track meet. Um, you get down to the track meet, a track meet to the Midwest, North Carolina and Auburn
0: First one to 150 wins That,
1: that game's going to be insane I mean you've got some Really fun matchups Coming up in the Sweet 16
0: Auburn's going to, I, I almost want to say Auburn is that team Where they were dead like, they were done. They should have lost. And then that team always ends up, like, in the Elite Eight.
1: I, they're good enough. I mean, when they, they, they're they good enough. I and I, I could see them beating NKU or, or, or UNC. I because don't know if they
0: could
2: beat NKU. Probably <laughs> I not. Know.
0: I could see them beating UNC because they're both going to play like That's that, right?
2: Exactly. What's the over in that game? 185? It's got to be. It's got to be. 212. Tell, be, tell NBA, me how you an, keep an, an NBA one. In that, in that pace that the game's going to be played at, how do you keep either team under 90?
1: I don't think you do. Unless somehow, unless, unless Auburn, they're just ice cold. Yeah, unless both teams go seven of thirty on threes. Or
2: Bruce will just come out in like a <laughs> burner two three zone <laughs> packed inside the run, run the shot
1: clock down to five, yeah. clear out for Jared Harper and say go make me a play. And Kobe White
2: will go over fourteen <laughs> exactly. for three or something exactly.
1: Kind of like the poor little guy for, from from Wofford did. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm, I mean I think the matchups are, are a whole lot of fun in the in, in the Sweet Sixteen. All right, any final thoughts from you, Chad Rendell?
0: No, not really. Did you see me on TV? I did not. <laughs> I saw sports
1: a, authority. I will say, no. I will say, I saw a lady sitting behind Travis Steele today that uh, they kept showing her cleavage. Oh, quite right often.
2: That that is the first time that actually went exactly where I thought it was going. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> they made the mistake of
0: sitting me directly behind the, the replay guy,
1: monitor. You were the guy that was trying to be really cool. That I don't think I'm on TV, but I know I'm on TV. I so actually didn't I gotta...
0: even know. I just had people sending me screenshots, but they went to the monitor a lot in that game. Yes, they did, and I was literally one row, well, one seat
2: behind the replay S- guy.
1: Sadly, I listened to that whole game on the radio, and finally watched it on re- watched a little bit of it on replay. So. That's, that's so I didn't get you at, to see it.
2: after signing that one, bad seating that was bad seating assignment billion dollar contract with the SPN AAC wanted some money back yeah. <laughs> like wait this a is going to be on TV every <laughs> yeah. every tournament that guy
1: that guy any final thoughts from you Rick Roaring here here uh, I don't I got it. So. let me see a screenshot yeah and that looks like the guy who knows he's on TV that's looking like he's got to be working so everybody thinks oh, I he's truly
0: didn't that. know yeah. I truly didn't know yeah.
2: He's that guy. Yeah, he's always that guy.
1: He's that guy. He's, he's sure. that guy. All right, boys, good stuff. We will uh, we will be back probably one more week to break down some NCAA term. We may even have some coaching news. Who knows? We'll see what that where that takes us. For uh, Rick Boring and Chad Brendel, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, of the College Basketball Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of
2: Cincinnati.